0: Good morning, good morning, Boker Tov. Good morning, Chag Sameach. This morning's Amuna Shir, it's great to be back together. Great to be learning and growing in our Amuna, reinforcing our Amuna. I hope people had Amuna even while we were on break. Our Amuna Shir is generously sponsored by Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbin in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. We remain incredibly grateful to the Morgans for their generous sponsorship. This morning Shir is sponsored LeKavod. The recent Rosh Chodesh in memory of Dr. Jacob M. Hiller. It's also sponsored, Lilo Nishmas, Shoshana Feige Bas Yitzhak, a beacon of whose second year site is today. And in honor of the Kleinfeld and Michelle families, very grateful to my good friend for his uh, generous sponsorship in honor of the Kleinfeld and Michelle's. Um, a lot to catch up on. It's been a little bit of time since we met, since before Pesach, right? Okay so it is good to be uh, back together and back together working on our amuna together. Let me share with you a couple quick emails I got that of course again are examples of putting amuna into practice. Amuna is not academic. Amuna is not theoretical, conceptual. Amuna is not something that is in a book and amuna is not something that you acquire. You can't buy it in a store. You're not Yotzei Yamuna, You don't fulfill it like hearing the shofar taking a little of an Esrog. is a way of life. Amuna is a perspective. Amuna is a way of being. Amuna is a way we engage the world. Amuna are the pair of glasses we wear and the way that we see and perceive the world. And every time somebody shares with us or sends in their personal Amuna story, it's to me an enormous khizak. Because here we talk about it every week, but when people are putting it into practice, It reinforces and reminds us and inspires us that we can too. So uh, I got a great email from our friend, I think it's okay to use her name, Hensha Gonsberg. Our dear friend Hensha has moved to Israel, where uh, she forwarded me an email she got from her child, from her daughter. Hi, Mom, just tried calling you. You're probably already going to sleep. I found Living with a Moon with Rabbi Goldberg online. I randomly chose one to listen to, and it began. He thanked you for sponsoring the class in honor of Rabbi Gonsberg. Coincidence, question mark, or what I call a God wink, a wink from Hashem? So here, you had somebody who put on the uh, shear and randomly chose one. We're up to number, what number are we up to? 267. So we have a lot of Amunashiram up there. And out of 267 sheerim, she chose the one that her mother sponsored. So she got to hear me introduce it by thanking her mother. There are no coincidences in life. Got another email. I listen to your ministry every week. I find the Amunist story very uplifting. This week I have to share a story. I daven every day that Hashem should keep my husband, my children, my grandchildren safe on the highways and byways of life. I went to get gas and after doing some shopping drove home. I was nearly home when my car started spluttering. It made a screeching noise and it turned off. What was remarkable is that it happened as I turned into the street where I live. My husband tried to restart the car, but found it too dangerous to drive, and the car had to be towed. One might say it was a coincidence that happened so close to home, and that I was very lucky. But I choose to think of it, it was Hashem who delivered me safely to my house. So again... Whether it is seeing the seeming coincidences in life, nothing is coincidence, nothing is random, nothing's chance. Everything is designed from above, everything is Hashem. And to live life with that perspective, with that attitude, with those glasses. You didn't just happen to get that parking spot. You didn't just happen to make that flight. The light didn't just happen to turn green. Person didn't just happen to call you at that moment. And you didn't just happen to choose that episode and it turned out your mother sponsored it. Everything is by design. There is nothing which is a coincidence. And I'll give you one more and one last. And one very powerful, powerful example. So I'm not going to rehash the entire thing. Maybe you know of it by now. And if you don't, I wrote about it last week. You can find it online. But uh, over Pesach, Pesach, when tragedy struck Israel and the Jewish people and decent people all over the world, when a uh, wicked, evil, heinous, terrible terrorist, who should still be caught and eliminated from this world, um, extinguished Three beautiful lights in the D family, Lucy, Maya, and, and Rina D, who were simply on a teul on Chalamoid. The family, the D family, had gone in two separate cars, and they were in the back car, and the terrorist opened fire, killing Lucy, Maya, and, and Rina D. A horrific, terrible, unbearably painful tragedy. And the whole Jewish world tuned in. Rev Leo, Leo D, the husband, the father, was a beacon of Amuna, of faith, of strength, and still is. I woke up to four. Voice notes from him this morning, reminding me to make Aliyah, Yomatzmo. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, he's become, uh, it's amazing how souls can feel so connected, having spent so little physical time together, but can feel so connected. Anyway, at the first funeral, the funeral of his two daughters, his wife held on a couple more days. He, uh, he mentioned in the funeral, he said, people ask me, where do I get Amuna? How do I have faith in a moment like this? And he said, I listened to all the Amuna Shiram of Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg in Florida. And the Jerusalem Post wrote it up and mentioned the Shear And I, I'm not telling you this, I'm enormously overwhelmed, humbled, feel grossly inadequate. But I am at least reassured by the fact that I don't say anything in the or I just repeat the same thing every week and I say <laughs> things from others and I read emails from others. So I just have the privilege, privilege, enormous privilege of being the one sitting here on this side of the table, on this side of the camera, but it's all your emails. And it's all the Torah of the Svarim, of the Tzaddikim that we're learning. It has nothing to do with me, but, but he found it and he, he learns from it. And then the next funeral for his wife he referenced again. And then at the Shiva he kept quoting things from our Amunashir. And uh, so I felt incredibly, incredibly connected. And that I had to get on a plane and had to go see him, which I did last week with my friend Rav Shai Schechter with Shirem he also listens to. And it was an enormously powerful experience, and I'm not going to rehash it now for lots of reasons, including there's no tissue box on this table near me. It was an enormously powerful experience to go for a day and to sit with him and to, as I said, you know, he mentioned that for 10 years, for for 10 years, for a decade, he's been listening and learning. And I felt like our neshamas have been chavrusas together. Our souls have been chavrusas, our souls have been singing, our souls have been studying, our souls have been learning. And it's amazing the power of Torah. The article I wrote is this, the amazing, the power. You don't know, those of you who send me emails and will share your story, thank you. You don't know, someone listening to that story, how it changes or impacts their life. Not me, you. You don't know who saw you make your brachat this morning, who saw you caffeinate with kavana, and they changed the way they make brachas forever. You don't know who saw you this morning save a seed or help a friend or, or, or collect the source sheets afterwards or bring tissues. You, you don't know. None of us know the power of our souls connecting in a metaphysical way. We only have, we can only see physically here on Earth. We have physical eyes and physical bodies and we see physically, but metaphysically, what's happening in the world of our souls and what's happening all around us, we have no idea who we're singing with and who we're sitting with and who we're studying with. We have no idea what's happening. The impact we have, people's impact on us, we have no idea. It was incredibly powerful. It was incredibly powerful. Anyway, so I got an email. There was a, someone in Efrat who hosted us, a beautiful family, an amazing family, who I had also not met, but also feel connected through the, the Torah learning. I don't have permission to use their name, but I'll read her her email. A very beautiful, beautiful family. About a month ago, our eldest daughter finished learning Nachyom and asked me what I thought she should learn next. Hold on, I have to tell you a story to introduce this email. So at the Shiva in this tent in his backyard with recording devices and sitting next to two cabinet members of the government. And so Rav Leo... We exchanged a huge hug and words, and it was incredibly powerful, and I'm still processing the experience. But anyway, as we were talking, and he said for 10 years, he's listening, he said, do you remember that we had a correspondence? Do you remember my email to you? Now, in the rabbinic and in life, you have certain moments of truth where you don't have a lot of time to think and you have a decision to make. right? Like every time you meet someone and they say, do you remember me? What's my name? Um. You know, You have to decide which way you're going to go, and I think honesty is always a very good policy. So I said to him, remind me. I didn't say, no, I don't remember. I just said, remind me, remind me. And he reminded me of an email he had sent, and it was an email that I read in the Amunashir. He told an incredible story during Corona, during the lockdowns, when he was still trying to go visit his parents, and he was stopped in the country because he wasn't really allowed in. And we had spoken about, maybe you remember this, that we had spoken about the, the significance of using people's names, our name, Hashem's name. And when we use people's name, we give them value, we make them feel visible, we elevate and we lift them. The power of using a name when you go to Publix and you say thank you to the cashier or the valet, you ask their name and thank you for bringing my car, or you use a name, use a name it has a very, very powerful impact. So he sent me this whole story about how he got stopped and he wasn't going to be allowed in and he was put in detention in the airport, but the person who escorted him there, he said, what's your name? And then he kept using his name and he created a personal connection and by the end he was walking out of the airport to go visit his parents and the Amuna, non-coincidence part of it. He went to go buy something and, uh, and he was given money because he was going to be in detention. He needed food to make it till the next flight. Even though he was able to leave, he still had that money. He was going to buy something. There was nothing kosher in the store except for these chocolates, which were exactly the chocolates his children asked him to go get and to bring. It was a beautiful story about he was listening, using the name, and Amuna. Hashem always has a plan. And the not coincidence of the chocolate it was a beautiful, beautiful email from Leo D. And I read it and I shared it. I didn't remember it. I'm embarrassed to tell you. I didn't remember it. So again, just another powerful connection of, of that story. So then I get this email. About a month ago, our eldest daughter finished learning Yom and asked me what I thought she should learn next. I suggest that she start listening to Living With Munashiram. She started from the beginning, and as Hashem would have it, she got up to the sheer in which you read Rabbi Leoz D's letter today. And she sent me this email on the day of the shiva call, when I met her. So she got up to, that episode where I read his letter on the day that I met him and that I was with their family. Anyway, there are no coincidences is basically what I'm taking a long time to try to tell you. There are no coincidences, everything is from Hashem and He's, he's messaging us all day, all day. When you think you randomly pressed play and what you heard, there's nothing random. Everything is by design. The Helega Ba'Hashem says in the Mishnah Navos, if you know what is above you, I and Roav Ozen Shomas, the simple understanding or translation of that Mishnah in Avos is, know what is above you. So I and Roa, know that, that you're being watched. Our generation appreciates this more than any that came before, because we are always being watched. There are satellites and Google cameras and Street View, and you're never, there's cameras in this, you're being watched. We didn't understand this until, this Mishnah made no sense, until the modern era. We can relate to the notion that we're always being watched. Ozen shoma'as we're always being listened to. The digital fingerprint that we're leaving online. And therefore, what we do, it's all being recorded and one day. We're going to have to sit and watch the story of our life. Every choice we make, everything we said, everything we heard, everything we did. That's the simple understanding with the of Hashem. the Helega BaShem, The Bashemtov Tov interprets the Mishnah differently. BaShem Tov says, Know that there's someone and something above you. Nothing in your life is chance. Nothing in your life is random. Nothing in your life is coincidence. Everything is orchestrated, curated, choreographed. Everything is by design. There's someone, there's something bigger than you. There's something happening around you. There's someone in charge of you. And therefore, roa. what you see, you were meant to see. So when you press play, what you hear, you were meant to hear. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You saw something, you heard something, say something. It's not just a security message. But you heard something, you saw something, do something, is a Pirkei message. It's a Chazal message. It's a Hashem message. 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 It's a Torah message. It's an Amuna message. Don't turn away, don't look away, don't stop listening. What you see and what you heard, you're meant to see and what you're meant to hear and you're meant to extract and take a message and you're meant to react and you're meant to grow and do and meant to do something. So I, I'm not even sharing with you all of them but how many times somebody sends me, I randomly put on one of this, sh- you remember that day you said this, that I needed to hear, wanted to hear, didn't want to hear. There's no randomness. That's true for all of us. When you get in that car, or you go on that walk, or you're starting to cook for that Shabbos, and you press play, what did you listen to? And why were you meant to hear that song, or that podcast, or that sheer, or that thing? shamas because There's someone in something bigger and above us, there are no coincidences, everything is by design. And it gets us through, and we can lean on it, and it is our anchor. Now for the D family, and we in for, they should have strength after this Yom HaZikaron. His daughter wrote a beautiful, beautiful article, powerful, painful article. Her connection to Yom HaZikaron until now what it meant, and now how she never thought or see herself as one of those families. It's powerful. It's painful. It's painful. But that family demonstrating Emuna, and so many others. I mentioned yesterday in the Parashashir, Acharei Moshe Nebenei the Jewish people's story is Yom HaZikaron into Yom Hazmut, is going from Acharei Mos to standing up and to going forward and going weiter in life with faith. What's our next mission? What's our next message? What are we meant to do next? That's our story. That's our story. How can, how can you get through anything without emuna? How do you do it without emuna? you got to live with emuna. Emunah is our anchor. And as we mentioned in the Shabbos HaGadol, that's the other thing in the Shabbos. I told you, I say nothing new. As we mentioned, as we said, as I previously, as I like to repeat, how you keep coming back, God bless you. So the coffee must be really good. So we spoke about this article I shared with you. If you don't know those source sheets, they might still even be in the lobby. You can find them online or I'm happy to send you. But I had shared an article from one of my Rebbe Rav Leuchter, whose Rebbe Revolba, they paid a shiva call to this great Rosh Hashivah who had lost his wife. And the Rosh Hashivah said, oh, everything Hashem does is for the good and she's in a better place. And I'm so lucky to have had her when I had her. And we're all good. And we're all good. And Revolba writes, they walked out. And Rav said to his Rebbe, wow, he's amazing, that was amazing. And Revolba said, it is amazing and it's genuine. He believes in Hashem, the emunah is genuine, but he's going to crash. He's going to crash, he's going to implode. His emunah is going to go into crisis. So said, what do you mean? And he said, because when you suffer loss, when you grieve, when you're in pain, when you have a crisis, when something's hard, whether the magnitude of what the D family or something much more insignificant and inconsequential, but when you're going through something hard, Amuna doesn't mean to ignore or pretend or mask or numb, Amuna means, to realize this is painful, to lean into that pain, to eat and chew on that maror, but to say, you know what? I have amunah that it's not random, it's not chance, it's happening for a reason and I will get through it. There will be an acharimos, there will be a day after. He likened Rav based on revoba this beautiful idea, that amunah is the anchor. If you're caught in a storm and the winds are blowing, it's a category five, and the boat feels like it's going to turn over. Amunah is not to pretend that there's no storm raging around you. Amunah is to remember that you have an anchor. So therefore you hold on for dear life and you're afraid, and your heart is racing, and your blood pressure is high, but you have an anchor, and you remember the anchor. And that is the amuna in these extraordinary cases, and that is the amuna in our lives, and the amuna in our lives. I visited with Ravasha Asher Weiss, Shlita, when I was in Israel for that, for that day, we spent some time together, and we were talking about this, these losses and people, and the tragedy, and the challenges our community knows, unfortunately, too well, and some here know, very, very personally, too well, and he told me a tshuva of the Radvaz. The Radvaz has a tshuva where he was asked, somebody had lost uh, a loved one and didn't cry the whole shiva. And was asked by someone, as the Radvaz was asked, is that something we should admire? Someone who goes through shiva and doesn't cry because they have faith in Hashem, is that something to admire? And the Radvaz writes a lashon, he said it by heart. I don't remember it by heart, but the Radvaz uses a language that not only is that something that not to admire, But he says, that is midas achzarias. that's cruelty. It is a demonstration of cruelty. To lose and not cry? It's cruel. It's cruel. It's based on the Rambam. We saw that on the Shabbos. It's based on the Rambam. To mourn excessively is a lack of faith. Because we believe that we will be reunited. We believe there is a world to come. And we believe in the immortality of the soul. So to cry excessively, to harm yourself, the Gemara says, the Gemara of the Pasuk says, the Torah says, that... You're not allowed to carve your skin in a loss. You can't cut yourself. To mourn or grieve excessively is to be unfaithful to core principles of immortality of the soul and that we'll be reunited, resurrection, and so on. To not mourn or grieve at all is also unfaithful. It's cruel. It's to not feel pain. It's to not recognize that it's okay to feel to feel pain and to feel hurt. So what gets us through the anchor. The compass, the anchor, depends on the day. We'll use a different metaphor. But what gets us through the challenging situations of life is that munah? is that Amuna? You can't wait till you need it to find it. You got to be working on it all the time. You can't wait until you need it to find it. That's why we get together every week and work on it. We're in the bottom of page, Ayin Ches, 78. Bottom of page, Ayin Ches. I'm still processing that whole trip, that whole experience, that whole new relationship that's an old one. And uh, if there's something worth sharing, I will. But still processing, still so powerful. See where we are. We're learning Rav Gamliel, Rabbinovich. Bottom of page of Ayin Ches 78. Tiv HaEmuna. Rav Gamliel, a great Mekubbal in Yerushalayim today. Shlita. Rav Gamliel, a great sage and Kabbalist. And a great Jew and a great individual in Yerushalayim today. I've never met him yet. I hope to one day, especially now that we're learning and sharing his Torah. His whole series, Tiva HaEmunah, Tiva HaShabbas, Tiva ha Torah, Tiva, is the whole series. He's a prolific author, and a, a special, cheerful, positive, hasn't had an easy life either. You know, maybe I'll share in the Imuna group, did I ever do it yet when we started learning this? An article, shpacher Ami, I forgot where, about Rab Gamliel, and his life, and his attitude, and his approach. It's good to know about him, we're learning him. You can also go online and see pictures or videos of him. His Torah will then come to life, because he's, he's living. He's living. He's living through the Torah we're learning, and he's biologically living. He's actually, he's living. So his tiva munar Gamliel, he writes, Borei, come and see, Afil Mosha Rabbeinu, the great Moshe, Raya Mehemna, our faithful shepherd, that the Torah testifies about him, Hashem doesn't say that about you and me. Hashem doesn't say that about everybody. And all of my household, he's faithful. He's reliable. He's dependable. He's dependable. Not for now, but if you need a Sheva brachas Torah, what do we wish every couple? How do you end every dvar Torah to Sheva brachas when you can't figure out how to stop talking? You say, "And may the couple build a bayis naman b'yisrael." What's to bayis Everybody knows that ubiquitous expression, but what does it mean? May they build a bayis naman b'yisrael. What does that mean? It's pretty. If you if you translate the words, a faithful house. So you got this couple, maybe young, maybe not so young. And it's a beautiful Sheva Brachas, and you're ending it by saying, and may the two of you never cheat on each other. Mazel tov. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and may the two of you always be faithful. That's the way you're ending it. Ba'is naman. I can't be what Bais Naaman means. That's not what Bayes means. So what does Bayes naman mean? What's Bechol? So maybe look at these words. Bechol Beisi nemanu. Hashem turns to Moshe Rabbeinu and He says, Bechol Beisi Naaman. Naaman means reliable, dependable predictable. I can lean on you. You'll be there. You'll be there. Loyal, fiercely loyal, dependable, reliable, loyal, consistent. That's what it means. And that's what we wish for them should be consistent and reliable and dependable and faithful and faithful. So, Moshe Rabbeinu, whom Hashem says about, he's even though, nevertheless, Amr the Gemara Hashanah says, there were 50 gates of wisdom that are created in the world. And Moshe was given access. He was given the key to all 50 gates of wisdom. Minus one. I'll do the hard math for you. That is 49. Very good. Shinemar until Capital uh, says, ma'at You're a shtickle less than God. In other words, we're great, we're elevated, we're prominent, but a little bit less than God. Moshe Rabbeinu, masik hadas, lo'ayam, lo'ayam, Turn the page, I and test. Why? Moshe Rabbeinu! He's rabenu in perpetuity. Forever he is known as Moshe, rabenu. He is collectively forever our teacher. He is Rabbeinu forever. And yet, he wasn't given the 50th key. Only 49. One door is closed. Why did Hashem keep one door closed for Moshe? Why not? B'chol sineman, reliable, dependable, fiercely loyal, faithful. So give him the 50th key. Let him go in the last door. Let him access all this wisdom and all the truth. Why did he hold back? Says You know why? Because if Moshe had access to it all, he wouldn't need emuna. He wouldn't have to take that leap. There wouldn't be anything that he showed that he was leaning into. And without you needing to take that leap, without that expression and demonstration of faith, without that last, I'm in, I believe, I'm working, I accept then you can't have Dveikos. Even a Moshe, as faithful, reliable, dependable as he was, even Moshe, as great and humble as he was, Hashem had to leave one door closed so that Moshe would have to still take a little, but a little, a little, a little faith, a little leap, a little leap. Why was that necessary? Why couldn't he have access to it all, all the truth, all the evidence, all the proof? Why not? Because without faith, there is no relationship. You need that last little bit, that amuna for dvekas, to cling, to connect, to surrender, to submit, to practice bittel, to nullify. You need that faith. You need that little bit that says, I'm in a world I don't understand, I can't see, I can't comprehend. But Hashem, even though I want to feel entitled and I want access, I surrender to you. It's not a competition my way or your way, I surrender to you. I give in, you're in charge. You're in control. So a person has to be Sometimes you want to say, I have no faith, I have less faith. It's not going my way. It's not working out my way. I'm done, I'm out. I was recently dealing with someone who's having a crisis of faith. Because I think his faith, while in many ways admirable and beautiful, but also was in other ways counterfeit all along. And what do I mean by that? The person who takes on a little extra daven, I daven, then I say tehillim, then I say this pitamak toros, then I do this school, then I do this mitzvah, then I do everything right. And why am I doing all that? Because I live with a sense of superstition that I, I don't want my parnasa to go down or I don't want my children to post challenges or I don't want a health crisis. <laughs> I want everything to work out. So Hashem, we have this quid pro quo relationship, right? So in a, in a real superstitious way, if I do my davening, and I say my tehillim, and I I drop off my chesed meal, and I put check next to everything you want, then you'll give me everything I want, right? Quid pro quo, it'll all work out, right? Right? And that's all, That's all. that could work for weeks or months. It could work for years. In this case, it worked for decades. Beautiful family, beautiful Parnassah, success and health in every which way. Check, check, check for you, God. And now, God, you did the check, check, check for me. This is working out, quid pro quo, good relationship. I'm all in. I'll say, be'ezrus Hashem. I'll say all the right things, do all the right things, give the right amount of tzedakah because you're reciprocating. You're paying me back. It's all working out, quid pro quo. What happens the first time something doesn't work out? What happens? Now, all of a sudden, you say, you know, I don't really feel connected to God anymore. I'm not coming up to, sh- I'm not showing up in shul as often. I'm not saying the voluntary parts of David, the extra Tehillim I used to say. So you say, why not? I say, because I'm having X challenge. I'm not going to tell you what. I don't want to even hint to who I'm talking about. I'm having X challenge. You say, yeah, but still look at all the other bracha. All the other things are still going. You're still living, you got this, you got that, you got the other thing, you have magnificent life, it's incredible, the gift, the privileges, the brachas. It's incredible the good fortune. You're right, that's the challenge. And by the way, you need him now more than ever to navigate that challenge. The answer is now that something went wrong, I'm out. I'm out. This is not an Amuna issue alone, this is a our generation issue. You see this in the relationships that are disintegrating and crumbling and disappearing. And there are times that people are not meant to be together and divorce is a mitzvah in the Torah. It's not a obligatory mitzvah, like here in the show for eating the matzah, But we are a religion that says in certain circumstances when people are not meant to be together, divorce at times is also one of the teriyag. At times it's also a mitzvah in the Torah. We believe in it. However, this enormous spike in the broken engagements, broken marriages, my children tell me among their friends, do you know how many young people are getting divorced after incredibly short periods of marriage? And some of them, they didn't mean to be together. And much of it is a wake-up call to the shirach dating system and how long they date. There's a lot of things you could extract from it that we should be learning from it. But there is a wholesale phenomenon going on in the world today in a disposable society which says, the first time I run into a little bit of friction, I'm out, turning in the car, turning in the phone, turning in the house, turning in the wife, turning in the husband, turning in the children, I'm done, disposable, I'm done, I don't like it, it didn't function properly, it's got a scratch, I don't like it, I'm out. The first scratch, turn it in, disposable, I'm done, I'm out. And this attitude, which in some ways is a beautiful world we live in, that we are able to get a new car every few years and upgrade and update your phone all the time and your technology. And we want to then project that onto people. Let me, we ask our spouse, where, where's, how can I turn you in for a newer model? How can I upgrade you? Because you're nagging or you're difficult or you're not responsive or you're not helpful or you're not, where, where's the upgrade? Where's the, you know you get the alert, like software update available? Yes. Where's that on you? I'd like to go to sleep, usually on your phone, it says plug it in, right? It gives you that option, plug it in and while you're sleeping, it'll upgrade to the newest software. Next, you know, version 7000.2. So you tell your spouse, I'm going to sleep. What can I press that when I wake up, I can upgrade to a different version of you? And if I can't, sayonara, I'm out. It's a huge challenge in today's world, but relationships take work. And the Tsara agra, the more work you put in, the more reward you get out. The richer the relationship, the more rewarding the relationship, the more real the relationship. You know, that, that young couple, I meet with them before the wedding. And especially if I'm speaking under the chuppah, I like to ask them, what made, you, what made you fall in love? Or what made you decide you want to spend the rest of the life with them? Now again, sometimes they met each other three times. Like, I'm not really sure. Could you ask my mother? <laughs> I'm not gonna get into that right now. My mother fell in love, she read the resume, she told me to date, she told me to ask to propose, she told me, ask my mother why we're in love with her, I don't know. Okay, ask the dating coach why we're in love, I'm not really sure. I'm not, again, I'm leaving out my editorial right now on the, on the system, which needs a lot of work. I'm leaving it out altogether. But, you know, a couple who genuinely have actually have some feelings, you ask them, and they look in starry-eyed, and it's beautiful, and it's nauseating, and it's in the room, and it's, right? You know, and then they come on for Pesach and their siblings are like, you got to talk to them. I can't be around them. I can't sit on the couch next to them. I can't be at the of meal with them. The way they look at each other, the way they talk to each other, the way they, I can't be around them, right? Baruch Hashem. It's a beautiful thing, halavai by all of us. We should, have, we should have such nachas. Why am I telling you this? Because when they stand under the chuppah, they think they know what love is. They think they know what love is. Ha, right? We look at them now and we look back and we're like, we thought we knew what love was. Wait till your first fight, wait till your first crisis, wait till Khalilah, a miscarriage or a stillbirth or a loss, wait till the first job interview that didn't go well, the first time you were let go, wait till the first time the child gave you agmas nefesh or the child didn't arrive or come and you waited. Wait, then you'll know what love is. When you navigate that, when you live through that, when you use that to bring you closer together instead of further apart, when you find a way to be in sync as you overcome it, now you'll know what love is. Wait till the first time she says, we're having milchiks for dinner. <laughs> Wait till the first time she says, what do you mean, it's a kale salad, it's delicious. <laughs> then you'll learn what compromise and sacrifice and love is really all about. Then you look for the upgrade button. Where can I upgrade to the fleshek? Where's the, the new model? So then you know what love is, then you know what love is. And the same is true in the relationship with Hashem. You can't come back from seminary or a year in Israel. You can't come back from whatever stage of life that you discovered Hashem in the Amunashir and you're on fire and it's all hunky-dory and it's all going well and smoothly and everything's great because you got the quid pro quo. I started going this Amunashir. I listen every week and I say Baruch Hashem and I think about Hashem all the time and now my life is amazing. We're all healthy and we have Parnassah, we're making Simchas and boom, you hit a wall. And what happens now? What happens now? What happens to the D family when they wake up and they went from a family of seven to a family of four? What happens when you hit that wall, which Emir is so much less than that, but you hit the wall that says, you know, the doctor said we got the labs back and this time he didn't just send you a text that said, got the labs back, they're all good. He said, come see me on Tuesday. And there's not something that you're fighting for your life, but there's a medicine you have to take or you have to be more careful eating that food. What happens when the teacher calls you and says with your child, I think we've discovered some learning issues or behavioral issues. I think the child's struggling socially to make friends. What happens when you hit that wall? You say, but Hashem, I thought we had a deal. Like I just daven and say the Tehillim and do the things and then it's all good, right? Nowhere do you sign up for that deal. Not in your relationship with Hashem, not in your relationship with your spouse, not in your relationship when you give birth to your children, not in the relationship with your employer or employees. There's no area of life I know of that you get to sign up for that. I don't know of that option anywhere. They take work. And when you hit that wall is the real test of who you are and the real test of the quality of that relationship and Bahol Beisi Naaman. Are you dependable and reliable and faithful even now when it's not going well, even when you hit that wall, even when you hit that speed bump? Is that also from Hashem? Is that also a sign from Him? So. This friend, this dear friend, I'm telling him, you're blessed that for several decades, your quid pro quo was working and now you hit a wall because something's, you're hitting a struggle. It's a real struggle, it's a painful struggle. Not as simple, it's surmountable. Please God, it has a light at the end of its tunnel. It's repairable, but it's difficult, it's painful. And there's a lot that's unknown about it. And now is not a time to back away or back off of your relationship with Hashem. Now's the time to lean in. Now is the time to double down. Now's the time to say, you know what, until now I thought I was in love with you. We looked at each other's starry yard and made people nauseous around us whenever I said Baruch Hashem and Amir Hashem and I love Hashem and don't you love Hashem? And Hashem loves me and Hashem loves you. Until now we were making people nauseous Hashem and I thought I loved you, but now it gets real. It's about to get real. And we're gonna have real conversations. We're gonna go outside and I'm gonna yell at you. I'm gonna curse you. I'm gonna protest you. I'm gonna object to you. And I'm gonna wonder where you are and how you could do this to me. And after that, we're gonna hug it out each and every time because we're gonna feel closer than ever because I need you. I need you. I need you more than ever. I need you more than ever. So, A person has to be misgaber. You gotta work. Misgaber is like a gibor, a warrior. You gotta battle. You gotta battle to double down. You gotta battle to lean in. You gotta battle to dig in in those moments that you hit that wall. Halavah hitting the wall should be you missed your flight. Halavah, hitting the wall is, you failed your driving test, you had to reschedule. Halavah, you hit the wall is, you had milchiks for dinner. Halavai you hit, that's not simple. Halavai you hit that wall, we had milchiks the other night. Halavah, you hit that wall, what? No, no, we went out for milchiks the other night. Don't you remember? We went out for milchiks. If that's not love, I don't know what is. Is that, yeah. Anyway, halavai, halavai. So that's the test. That's the test. That's the test of, of emuna. So Rav Gamliel is using the lush and he's using the language specifically lehiskaber. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta strengthen, you gotta work out. You gotta work out. Leave aside all of your calculations and all of your thoughts and all of your dreams and all of your wishes. But what do you mean? That's not how I drew it up. I was supposed to pass on the first time. That's not how I drew it up. Each of my children were supposed to be exactly the way I want them to be. What do you mean? That's not how I drew it up. I was supposed to be able to eat this forever. Or I was supposed to be able to sit on a couch forever and not have to exercise. What do you mean? That's not how I drew it up. I've been telling everyone I'll never take a medicine. I don't believe in medicine. What do you mean? That's not how I drew it up. I was supposed to be able to upgrade my spouse to the software to just make them change and to become what I want in them. What do you mean? That's not how I drew it up. So you have to lahaniyach. You have to be willing to abandon and relinquish and let go of those thoughts and those dreams and that fantasy that you control the world. We l'hamin be'muna shleima and believe with a full faith kilo chafetz hashem mm-hmm. la mitenu lola kach mi adenu ola umincha velo havianu halom einze elak kilo kalu rachamav v'cholmach shavosav aleinu latova l'cha yasenu l'fan of kaiyom azeh. Baruch Hu loves us. Everything is by design, everything is with a purpose, even when we don't feel it, don't understand it, and don't have access to comprehend it. It's all His love and it's all for us. And it's all by design. He wants to redeem us. And He's listening, He wants to hear our voice. Every one of our davening. I would argue that in that quid pro quo, prototype of your relationship. Even the davening wasn't a real davening. It was kind of like one of the check marks. I got to do this, 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 and this. Then you give me this, this, and this. So yeah, I'm shuckling. Yeah, I'm waving my arms. Yeah, I'm screaming Yehishmei Rabbah. But all that was just my check mark. We just said in, Amunish, in the uh, Sitter of Snippets the other night, we mentioned the Sitter of Snippets the other night, the uh, notion of Iyut the Gemara says, there are three things that are maskir of avonoso shaladam. Three things that if a person does, Hashem says, go bring me his file. Go bring me her file. Let me, see whether, let me see how they're doing. Let me see whether they're worthy. One of them is if you walk under a dilapidated wall, if you walk under a wall, it's about to collapse. Hashem says, oh, look who's so confident that everything's going to be okay. They'll be protected. They'll be safe and secure. They're so confident they're worthy. Bring me her file. Number two is your Moser is ladin. You turn somebody over to the authorities. Now, let's be very clear, the halacha is, if someone is a danger to society, you have an obligation to turn them over. But we're not talking about that. We're talking in antiquity, in ancient times, when the authorities were unjust and cruel, and, and you turned the Jew over to them. So Hashem says, oh, you're in a position that you're turning someone over? Let's see your file. And the third thing the Gemara says is, iyun tfila. Gemara Rosh Hashanah, iyun Tefillah. What's Ion Tefillah? It says, iyun Tefillah means overconfidence in prayer. What's overconfidence in prayer? I know you all heard this because you listen to Siddur snippets, but I'm just reviewing it. Overconfidence in prayer, what's Eon Tefillah? is, Eon fila is, you had an incredible davening. You had an incredible davening. You were focused and concentrated on every word. You lost track of time. You have no, long, no idea how long you were davening. You were connected to every page of the Sitter, It came alive. You had this feeling, this connection to Hashem. You walk away and you're like, wow, what a davening, I was plugged in. And you know what? I'm feeling pretty good, Hashem's gonna answer me. I feel pretty good, I'm gonna get a good response because what a da- I never had a davening like this in my life. So the Gemara says, instead of the rabbis applauding you, instead of the rabbis honoring you or clapping for you, the rabbis say, uh-oh, Hashem's about to take out your file. Why, what's so bad about you fila? Is there something so wrong that you feel geshmak? What a davening. I was mindful, I was present, I was engaged, I was passionate. I was present, and now Hashem's gonna answer me favorably. Why is that so bad? Because who did you knock out of the equation? The moment you see davening as a tool or instrument, that as long as I do it right, I get answered, who got knocked out of the equation? Hashem. It's no longer part of Him. It's like, oh, I'm sick, I I gotta go to the doctor, take my multivitamin, drink my orange juice, eat my, what's that called? Echinacea. Echinacea. Oh, and I also have to daven. And then once I do check, 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 I'm better. No. Your davening is not something on your checklist that once I do it, I'm guaranteed and I'm good to go. Ian Tefillah, if you have overconfidence when you daven, you knocked him out of the equation. And instead of him sitting in the seat that he's in charge, who did you replace him with? You. You. So Hashem says, oh, you think you're in charge. Let me see your file. Let's see how well you are doing. Davening Tefillah authentically is not quid pro quo. I do this, 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 and this. I get this, 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 and this. Davening is—we're up to consider snippets. Again, I know you all know, but we're up to Bakasha, the middle section of the Amidah. The Shevach—the first three brachas are praise; the last three brachas are Hodah, gratitude. And the middle section is Bakasha. So we're about to study the thirteen universal things we ask for. Atachonin la Adam das, we start with Daas, knowledge. Funny, if you would have asked me, first of all, it's a fun game. Gather your family and ask. We're composing a prayer that will have to last for all time. Every Jew throughout all time, in every place in the world, we're all gonna say the same prayer. What are the 13 things that are universal needs for all time and anywhere that we should compose that people will need? What are the 13 things? Would you come to the same thing that Anshayken HaSegedola came to? Some of them, yes. Good health and Parnassah, we'd all have in there. Shema Koleinu, the generic catch-all, we'd all think that's a good idea. Redemption? We'd all want that. Okay, good, but that's less than half of them. Would we have come up with the other ones? Hashiva Would we come up for that, justice? Reinstate rabbinical courts and a system of justice, hold others accountable. Would we have asked for wisdom and knowledge and contemplation and, and capacity for analysis? And that's the first one. So one exercise is which 13 should you come up with? And the next is now put them in order. What's the order of priority? How, should, how do you go? Now the Gemara Megillah tells us why we have the order we do. We, whether you grew up with it or not, if you've become accustomed to saying the Amida, you don't even think about it. You know, but you ever stop and pause? Why is Atachonin? That's the first thing? That's the first one? I would have started with health. If you don't have your health, you have nothing. So maybe the first thing to ask for is good health. Why is the first thing that we ask for Das? Chochma bin Das. First thing we ask for is to be part of Chabad. Chochma bin and Das. Why is that the first thing? So Bakasha, this is the middle section, and the introduction is when we're talking about this, Iyun Do you know why we go through this Bakasha section? And by the way, we're going to do it at Mincha, just dive in And at Mincha, we're going to go through these 13 universal needs, and a few minutes after that, we're going to go through them again at Marv. Okay, got we got it. Why do I have to keep repeating it? I told you what I need, now supply it, quid pro quo. I do for you, you do for me we're good to go. No, why do I have to keep repeating it? Are you so arrogant and egotistical that you need... I I once did the funeral of a major Hollywood celebrity's father. And in that context, we had long conversations about Judaism and his main reason that he doesn't believe, he doesn't practice, he doesn't pray, is he said, it's amazing that such an accomplished, award-winning, household name, brilliant, hilarious person could be so unsophisticated and foolish in his thinking. But he said, I don't believe in prayer because I don't want to talk to a God who's so arrogant and egotistical. He needs the whole world to tell him every day how great he is. That's why I don't pray. So we had a long discussion about that and how wrong he is. How God tolerates our prayers. He doesn't wait for them or want them. It does nothing for God that you praise him, I promise you. He's infinite, you're finite. He's immortal, you're mortal. He's omnipotent, you're pathetic. Your praise, not you, me, I'm pathetic. Your praise means nothing. I promise you it does nothing for his ego. He's willing to tolerate it. He's, he's, he tolerates it graciously, not because it does anything for him. So why are we praying three times a day? You just did it at Shachras, we'll be back again at Mincha. Mincha, see you at Marav. After marav see you again tomorrow morning at chakras. Why? Because it's an exercise in this Emunah. We keep coming back and saying, you know, all day I'm going to take initiative. All day I'm going to try, I'm going to work, I'm going to fight. All day I'm going to act like it's all dependent on me. But three times a day I come back and I tell you, Hashem, but I know it really is all about you. You know, they say, work like it all depends on you and pray like it all depends on Hashem. Work as if it all depended on you, take initiative, try and work as if it all depends on you, fight like it depends on you, but then pray knowing it all depends on Him. It's not a contradiction, it works together. So three times a day, because I'm so busy working and fighting and trying and taking all that initiative to solve my problems and the world's problems, I could easily get confused to think who's in charge? Me. So three times a day I have to come back and remind ourselves, because that's how pathetic I am. Three times a day I have to come back and say, I know I'm fighting out there like it's all me, but Hashem, I know it's all you. I know it's all you. So the bakasha, this middle section, is all a reminder an exercise in humility, in submission, in surrender, that will never be guilty of i'en tefillah. I'll never be overly confident and pretend it's me. I'm going to be a gibor. Les gaber Hashem, no matter what's going on around there, when I take these three steps forward and now I'm with you, I know you're, I got it. I'm going to wrestle with you. In sh'ma kolenu, I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to protest. I don't like what you're doing with this one. I don't like what you're doing with me with this. I need you to heal this. I need you and want you to work on that. But after we wrestle a little bit, I'm going to give you a big hug. And I'm going to know what love is. It's not back in the days when we were starry-eyed and nauseating. I know what love is. Love is now when I wasn't happy with you, but I stuck with you. Love is when you weren't happy with me, but you took me back anyway. That's tshuva. That's the relationship with Hashem. I wasn't b'chol b'si Naaman. Between Shacharis and Mincha, I wasn't so b'si Remember at Shacharis when I promised I would never speak lashanar again? I would have kavana when I make brachos. I would learn all my free time. Well, I'm back at Mincha to tell you I didn't do any of that. Not only that, I said some of the wrong things, I looked at some and watched some of the wrong things. And I'm back to tell you I'm going to try again. And you know what Hashem, you know what love is? Love is that I wasn't so that on, but you took me back anyway. Because real love is we're working through it. We're sticking with each other. We're fighting for it because it matters. It means something and it's worth it. That's amuna. That's this journey of amuna that we're on. It fluctuates, at it has ups and downs. We learn this together. Ratzav HaVashov, Kadom Va'achor, Panom Va'achor, we learn this, but it need to be mezgaber. We have to work hard, work hard, and to realize that whatever's happening, it's from above. Shameh, he listening to our tefillahs, he wants us. Kedisa b'Zohar, Kadosh, as the Heilig of Zohar says, we'll end with this. Rabbi Shimon teaches, Bo rei kamach aviv in Yisrael, the Zohar is in Aramaic, but we'll read the translation, the Targum in the bracket, and we'll end with this. Come see, kamach aviv in Yisrael, lefnei Kadosh Baruch Hu, she'ein am ame ha'olam, There's no nation, there's no people. Hashem welcomes and wants and invites and listens to our Tfilos like no one else and nothing else. Hashem loves us, He sticks with us, He tolerates us because He loves us in the end of the day. And He wants us to talk to Him surrender to Him, protest to Him, to engage Him in our life and to see Him in every area of our life. We should be zocha to live such a life with that Amuna, to turn to those role models and to ride their coattails, and to follow in their way. Until, we went a little long today, but we had to make up for a bunch of weeks, so we're okay. We're good. Keep sending your emails. Keep sending your messages and stories. They mean a lot. They lift me and others. Keep caffeinating with Kavana. Until next time. Stay happy, stay healthy and stay holy.